Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, today, this morning, we have uh, Todd Bryant, who is a partner with Signature Wealth Advisors in Florida. Uh, welcome, Todd. Appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, Gary. Thank you for having me. So t- tell us some about yourself and how you uh, started pursuing your career uh, in the financial industry. Yeah, thanks, Gary. I'm from Florida originally. I've been in Florida most of my life. I did live in Maryland for a little bit growing up, so I was excited to uh, connect with somebody uh, from up there. Uh, today it is a it's about a blistery seven, 70 degrees so I had to pull out the, the long sleeve for us but I went to UCF here in Orlando and I graduated with a degree in marketing. My first step into the financial world was an internship in uh, Merrill Lynch in 2005. Actually it was up in Northern Virginia uh, for that summer and that's when I first started to learn more about the business and could see myself uh, being a part of it. I liked how I could you know, work with clients one-on-one and, and get to build relationships and get to help people out and, and also the, the independence that came with the career. So I asked those guys at the time, should I switch to finance since my major was marketing? And their recommendation was actually to stick with marketing because they felt that you can catch up on a lot of the finance along the way and you'll take a lot of tests and get a lot of designations and all of that. But if you don't know how to market yourself and communicate with people and build your brand, then you're never going to make it anyway. So uh, luckily that would seem to be pretty good advice. And now I'm, uh, this is my 13th year uh, within the career. So you, you started uh, back in 2008, uh, which was probably a, probably one of the worst years you could have possibly started. Um, but yeah, you certainly, you know, got to, got to cut your teeth in a bad market there. So, you know, tell us, tell us some of the things that you learned by having to start in that kind of a market. Yeah, I, so I was an intern with the company I started out with in 2007 and and I graduated in December, 2007. So it was January, 2008. I entered the full, full time training class all excited and fired up and ready to take over the world. And, and as a 2008 started unfolding, I was targeting business owners and pretty much cold calling all these business owners. I had a couple of, of warm leads introductions. And as an intern, I was actually pretty successful within the company. I was, I was one of their top ranked interns uh, within the, the entire country. But as an intern, I kind of went through all those warm leads. So now I'm I went past all the kind of warm people and maybe kind of new, and now I'm just basically cold calling business owners within one of the worst years in history to be uh, trying to get business owners to, to you know, invest, uh, diversify, and, and you know, they, they're, like they're doing this year, unfortunately, just trying to keep their employee, employees paid and, and keep the lights on, basically. Fortunately, I was, uh, you know, single at the time and, and not married and, and no kids, and I had very little expenses and I did a good job of working a bunch of jobs in college to save up. And I also, even those early first nine months or so, I, I kept my, they say, don't quit your, 
don't quit your day job. Well, I didn't quit my night job working at a restaurant on the weekends because I didn't have a salary. So it was, it was basically, it was just based on cold calling business owners and getting out there and, and hearing a lot of no's every once in a while, maybe hearing a yes. But uh, I learned a lot through that and luckily was able to manage what little money I did have coming in from the restaurant properly to, to survive that first year. So you said that you learned a lot from that. Give us, give us a couple examples of, of some of the stuff that you learned uh, that first year. A lot of what I can translate to clients today, because I work with a lot of business owners, that's, that's my number, number one market that I work with. And, and I'm working with them throughout all of the different uh, life stages of a business from the, from the very beginning until, until the very end. And for, so for me, this was, even though I was working with a larger firm, I was still, yeah, I was a 1099. I wasn't a salaried employee. So I was still building my own personal business at that time as well. And you know, part of it was just the, the budgeting. And yeah, I was literally watching every penny. I basically did, I went through all the savings that I had and I was now at the point where I was starting to max out my credit cards just to survive for that. And, and I had a lot of people at that point just telling me, hey, you put in a good effort, it's probably time to try something different. And you know, this business is not for everybody. And I had a lot of those conversations uh, that first year. And, and for me, Really, the difference maker was towards the end of that first year, I had something happen to uh, somebody that I knew, and uh, he was actually someone that uh, worked at a restaurant, worked at that same restaurant with me, and we had several meetings, and, you know, people that worked at this restaurant I was at, it was a nice steakhouse in town, and, and a lot of people were career servers. I was actually the youngest server when they hired me when I was 21, so these people were making pretty good money, and they were... Um, lifetime career servers at this location, but they didn't have any type of benefits. So this person in particular, he had uh, two daughters and he didn't have any life insurance. So I said, oh, that's something I can help you out with. And we had a couple different meetings and he, he never pulled the trigger on anything. And, and I ended up getting a phone call one day from his dad. And uh, he said, is this Todd Bryan? And he said, well, I'm sitting here at my son's desk at his house and I see a bunch of paperwork. I need to know what he has with you. And I said, well, is everything okay? And he said, no, and unfortunately he passed away. Mm. And you know, I see like some life insurance stuff. So I need to, you know, who are the beneficiaries? How's it set up? And unfortunately I had to tell him that he never signed anything. Literally the paperwork unsigned was sitting on his desk that I had given to him. So I realized at that point when I was really back and forth, if I could even make it in the business or not, and if I could survive in it, the potential impact I could have had just on that one individual. Right. And that really helped me to, to push me forward to, to continue the path. So um, I think a lot of lessons I learned about the type of impact that I could make potentially in this career helped to propel me to, to continue in and, and find the success that, that our firm is finding today. So tell us, you know, you have a marketing background, mm -hmm. um, as you said. So tell us some of the things that you've, you know, been able to incorporate with the, you know, the marketing side of, of things that you've done uh, through your career. Early on, I got very involved in a lot of different local organizations, uh, particular with different charities. I, I realized, you know, you're not going to show up at the first at the first meeting with the charity and then just start passing out business cards, and you'll quickly be asked to leave that that board right. or that committee. But I realized the long term impact. If I could find things that I enjoyed doing, uh, and that I was that I felt in my heart was something I wanted to spend my time doing. And then at the end of that, if it could potentially lead to something, then that would be great. Mm -hmm. There was actually one local organization that does 
mentoring uh, and tutoring for children in the at-risk part of downtown Orlando. And I got involved with that actually before when I was in college, before I even knew what I wanted to do for a career. And I was uh, actively engaged in that organization. I actually showed up it was every other Saturday for 10 years straight uh, to go tutor these and mentor these kids. And I did it because I loved it and, and really enjoyed it. And they enjoyed it as well. But I ended up getting a lot of clients out of that just over time because of building relationships. And there was other uh, affluent people and business owners that were involved in this. My, my favorite thing that I started doing my second year uh, in this business was I got into hosting trivia nights at a bar. And I was talking to one of my buddies on the phone one night and he was, he said, oh, I got to go, Todd, it's, it's trivia. And he was in my business. He was in Jacksonville. He worked for the same company I did. And I said, oh, it's trivia night. That's cool. Go have fun. Yeah, have fun playing trivia. And he's like, no, I'm not playing. I'm the host. The host? He's like, you're a successful financial advisor. Right. Why in the world are you hosting trivia at a bar? So he explained it to me. He's like, he goes, Todd, it's kind of like going to a networking event, except I'm the host of the event. I go around talking to people in between the questions and, and getting to know people, building relationships. They pay me to do it. They also give me free beer, which as a 24 <laughs> year old was a pretty good deal. Right. So I was like, that's pretty cool. So I, I started uh, a couple months later, I get a phone call from the guy that owned this trivia business and he wanted to expand down to Orlando and try me out for it. And I started doing it and it paid pretty well, which at the time my business was doing better, but I still could use a little bit of extra money. About two months into it, I had a guy walk up to me who was an attorney and he said, hey, Todd, I'm familiar with your company. I'm familiar with you and people from your company have been calling me for years. If you run your real business like you run this business, you're the type of person I want to work with. And he ended up becoming a client. Awesome. And over the next several years of me doing this, I started getting way more business than I ever would have thought. Uh, because people really like trivia nights and most of the people are showing up week after week. So you're getting to know people, you're building relationships. I was always dressed very nice because I was coming off work. So they would just naturally ask, what do you really do? Right. And uh, it would be, it ended up, I never would have guessed how much of an yeah. impact that would have made on my business. And now they, they will hire me for just, I don't do it normally, regularly anymore. I've got two little kids at home, so uh, I don't uh, do that, but I do kind of still have my side gig going where I'll do it for like a charitable event or some sort of a company um, company event or something. COVID makes it a little more challenging to do that. But during, during normal times, I have these uh, kind of these side gigs that I'll do where now they'll pay me more money because it's a private event. And then I'm also meeting people and networking and things too. So that's been my kind of my secret that all, all the people you'll meet across the country, I'd say very few of them are financial planners and trivia hosts. Yes, you, you got that right. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's really interesting that, that with your business, you're, you know, you're thinking outside the box on, on how to, uh, how to reach different people. That's, that's pretty cool. So tell us some of the questions that the clients, when you're meeting them, that you, that aren't asking that you really wish they would ask. Hey Gary, that's a great question. I think a lot of times when I am sitting down with somebody new and this kind of actually goes to what, exactly what you had mentioned to me earlier is they kind of feel like, oh, I'm diversified because I have several different accounts at different places. And, and actually you gave an example of eight different 401ks. I actually did have a client, one of my best clients where they did have it, literally they had eight different 401ks at different places and it was between her and her husband. 
And when I first met with them, I actually got referred to them for something else for, for another, basically a particular product. And uh, when I met with her, I actually said, you don't even need that. I don't know why you, you think you need this, but here's why you don't need this, but let's look at everything else you have. And, and it was literally eight different 401ks and, and they were all at these old different companies and no one's keeping track of them. And they, they would get a statement every once in a while and they get the statement and they say, we really should do something about this. And then they move on with the rest of their life and yep. nothing ever gets done. So I think that the business of financial planning, unlike the, we'll say the business, unlike on the tax side of things is there are specific deadlines. Mm -hmm. Now people are still going to procrastinate oh, yeah. and they're going to do an extension and procrastinate even more, but at least there's a deadline for it. When it comes to financial planning, it becomes one of those things that is, it's important. We, I think people aren't going to discount the importance of it, but very rarely does it become urgent for them. So right. unfortunately I have people that will come in and meet with me that are 50, 55, and, and they're like, I want to retire in 10 years. And, and maybe they have a 401k at work, but that's pretty much it. They don't have, uh, they haven't really done what they need to do. The scary thing is that, you know, in the eighties, over 80% of people had pension plans. So you work for the same company for 30 years, you collect your pension guaranteed for life. Uh, you also have your social security on top of that. So many of my clients that are retired today between their pensions and their social security, they barely need to take any other money outside their 401k uh, other than RMDs and things that they need to do. But I just don't think that future generations are going to be in that same boat because hardly anyone has a pension plan okay. and, you know, we, nobody knows what social security is going to look like. So I think that they're not really realizing the urgency that I am seeing out there as far as what they need to be doing today to take advantage of some of these things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. The more and more I see, you know, with people, um, that's what I see. That's why lots of times, you know, when I get with uh, young business owners or, or young um, people right out of school, I really try to get them to start putting away early before they even get that first paycheck. Hey, let's, let's start putting away just so they can become a, uh, accustomed to doing that um, because otherwise, you know, it's not going to happen. And then we typically, we run into business owners that think, oh, I'll be able to sell my business someday. And that's my retirement, you know, but as you know, with a business, it's only what somebody's willing to pay. And it's typically not what the owner wants. Yeah. So um, I guess tell us some about uh, the fears that you deal with, with some of the clients that are coming into you and, and how are you able to help them overcome those fears? Yeah. Uh, the kind of the, the old adage is, you know, what keeps you up at night mm -hmm. type questions. And I think a lot of times the, the fears kind of change over time. So for me, I'm, I'm 35 and, and my kids are four and two. So you know, a lot of the fears that I have is just, you know, God forbid something happened to me. Is my, my wife okay? Are my kids okay? And you're kind of taking care of some of those things. So when I am meeting with those uh, clients that are closer to my age, it is, you know, do we have our estate planning done? Uh, do we have life insurance? You know, we start to set up for college because uh, if, if you want to scare somebody, show them a projection for what college looks yeah. like in 18 years. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I looked at that and I was like, oh, even for myself, you know, I've been showing that to clients for over a decade now, but I looked at it for myself. I was like, oh God. <laughs> but, um, so I think that it, for my demographic, that's where it's at. But then as, as people yeah, get closer to retirement or even into retirement, you know, the, the, the biggest fear is going to be, am I, am I going to be able to sustain a, 
a successful retirement, meaning am I not going to run out of money? And you know, a lot of times um, uh, people just don't know uh, the answer to that because they're not, there's not as many guarantees as there used to be for, for some of those things. So, you know, as far as that goes, I, I try to kind of talk them off the ledge, so to speak. And, and, you know, we, we use a lot of different software and planning tools and, and help them to say, okay, if you're not where you need to be, you know, here's, here's a plan to try to get there. And, and, you know, a lot of times if we run a, on 10 different people walk in the door and we run a retirement analysis for them, mm -hmm. chances are eight out of 10, I would say, uh, are not going to be where they need to be. Right. So, um, and I kind of give them like, that's, that's what it's going to look like ahead of time. I don't want to surprise them by showing them that. So I just wanted to try to set the stage and say, you know, this is probably what, what it's going to look like based off the information you gave me, but I'm going to have some ideas for you. Mm -hmm. And we're probably not going to be able to implement every single idea today, which is fine. But I think over time, we're just kind of take some, some baby steps and, and try to get there and, and make some smart decisions. And for the, the ones that are that we run analysis and they are fully prepared. Um, there's, you know, we want to make sure now let's make sure the plan is, is bulletproof because there will be things that are going to come up from here to there. This, this shows a perfect scenario of all right. these different variables happening. Let's put a plan together to make sure that if this happens, we do this, if that happens, we do this. And, you know, I kind of look at it like, a, you know, flying a plane, basically, you know, what the ultimate destination is, you know, where you want to go. You have an idea of what the weather might look like to get there. But things might happen between here and there, and that's why you're going with a highly skilled pilot who's done it before, who you can trust. And it's essentially that's where I am for the clients is help guiding them towards towards that path. And we know that there's going to be things that are going to happen along the way, but having having a plan which is going to be able to adapt and make changes to those things is going to be crucial. Yeah, I mean, it really sounds like you're using a, a holistic approach with with your clients and helping them kind of with everything big picture and, and, and so forth, um, you know, which is, you know, something I, I find very important uh, to do. So they come in to you, they meet with you, you put together this, this financial plan for them. How often after that should someone meet with a professional like you, uh, you know, to update this? Because it's, I always look at, you know, the estate planning or with business owners, their, their business plan and stuff like that. It always seems to be like, okay, here I have it. And boom, that binder goes into the drawer on the shelf and they don't look at it again until somebody says, hey, what does what your business plan say? So how do you see that in, in your world and, and why they should come to a professional like you? Yeah, I see exactly what you see, Gary, as far as as far as that goes. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I paid the guy a fee and then I have this hundred page document and uh, every couple of years I'll, I'll take a look at it or something. And, you know, estate planning is the same way. People are, as far as estate planning goes, they're always, they hardly ever, anyone has what they need to have anyway. But when they do, they're all confident about it. They're like, oh, yeah, we got that done. So when was that? Oh, that was 15 years ago. Ah, things might have changed between now and then. So I definitely re I definitely think that they need to at least sit down on an annual basis. So with my clients, uh, annually is going to be more of an in-depth, let's review this. And, and we try to, as much as possible, everything is digital because uh, we, we know that things are going to change throughout the year. Uh, but I also identify with them up front. I kind of want to set the stage for the expectations for how often they want to, to get together and, and touch base and things. And uh, so that's, that's usually gonna change. So 
maybe in the first year, let's just do a quarterly touch in just to, to see how things are going. And then maybe like for one client, as an example, we, we do like a quarterly uh, meeting for the first uh, year or two. And then we kind of bump it to six months and then kind of keep it at that. Um, but the, the one year is always going to be more the in-depth and, and take a look at where's everything at, what has changed, are your goals the same? One of the most rewarding things that I do is it, with my clients is now that I've worked with clients for, for over a decade, I'll go back to that initial meeting that we had and the list of the goals that they gave me and we'll kind of check things off the list. And my favorite example of that was a client who, when I met her, she was single and one of her goal, I think it was like a five-year goal was, was to get married and have a child. And I said, okay, well, are you dating anybody right now? She's like, no, but see, that's one of my goals. <laughs> so uh, I think it was earlier this year, I was meeting with her and now her new husband, and now they also have a baby. So I said, do you mind if I share with him all the goals that we talked about early on? And she's like, yeah, no problem. Like all the goals, you're fine with that, right? And then she's like, yeah, I said, okay. So I shared that with him and we shared a good laugh mm -hmm. over that and I was like, yeah, that's pretty uh, admirable. She's, you know, checking things off the list that's as great. we go. But uh, that's a, it's always been a very rewarding thing for me to be able to be part of that as we check things off the list and, and maybe make new goals. What I hear you saying is, is that using a professional like you also helps people stay on their path of where they're trying to get to. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, there can be a lot of distractions uh, on, on that path, on the road to wherever that is. And this year is a, a year of a perfect example of, of all of the things that can occur. We thought the election would be the biggest uh, thing we'd be looking at this year. So right. clearly we were wrong about that. But I, I think that it, the important thing, not only with myself, but I want to be part of an overall team. So when it comes to um, you know, tax and legal and like property casualty insurance, yeah, I want to have a team around them so that we have a, a team of experts who know what they're doing in their given field. And um, actually just this morning, I got an email from a client who wanted to introduce me to their attorney uh, so that we could get on the same page and, and things. So I think that it's, it's important to, to not only to have a team of professionals that you're working with and experts, but also for them to be able to, to work together and get to know each other as well. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, something that's extremely important. And I tell my clients that all the time. It's great that you have all these individual professionals, but if you don't pull them together and they don't talk, then they're not a team. And many people always say, oh, yeah, I got a team that works for me. It's like, well, if you don't pull them together and they don't collaborate, then then you really don't have a team. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that that being one of the biggest downfalls because somebody can have, you know, five great professionals, but if they don't talk to each other, then kind of people are heading in different directions and it's kind of, let's, let's get everybody going in, in the same direction. Um, and I think that that's really important. What, um, so what does your ideal client look like? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't work exclusively with business owners, but many of them happen to be business owners. I, I work with, with, on the individuals and yeah, ideally they have complex needs as far as uh, they have different accounts sitting in different places. They have usually a, a small to mid-sized business, or if they're not a business owner, then they're normally going to be a top-level executive uh, at, a, at a company. There's In Orlando, there's a couple of different uh, larger companies where I have several different clients at on the individual standpoint. 
generally they're going to be, you know, I do have some that are maybe closer to my age where I just kind of help them with the foundational pieces of financial planning and, and get, them, get them on the right start. But I'd say the majority of them are going to be maybe within 10 years of retirement. So they can actually, they can envision it. And if they're a business owner, it says, what is it going to look like? Am I, am I selling the business? Am I passing it down to the next generation? Am I going to continue to work in the business throughout retirement? Maybe just kind of step back a little bit. So we're starting to have some, some conversations that they maybe did think about a little bit when they first started it, but they just said, let me just at least keep the lights on and keep things going. And now they've had a, a tremendous amount of success and they're really planning the next stages. I think the people that are in within that uh, mindset are the ones where they know, they know the importance and then the urgency is starting to creep up a little bit because they know they need to make some smart decisions. So I'd say generally those are going to be the ones that I'm going to uh, be ideally working with the most. So right now, what are, you know, the biggest challenges that you're dealing with? I, I think I share a, a challenge that, uh, that most of us face this year of, of doing pretty much everything virtually. I mentioned at the beginning that uh, I am always been very active and engaged in different um, organizations, boards, and uh, charitable uh, community type organizations as well. And and all of those being on a Zoom meeting is very hard to continue to meet new people. So in my business, I'm, I'm constantly always looking to, to meet new people and build new relationships and get referrals. So I've been extremely fortunate that I have gotten a lot of referrals this year from existing clients. Uh, it's crazy that a, a few of them came to me because they didn't hear from their financial advisor in March and April. Right. And that was just that alone, even though, you know, we, we saw the market took a big dip, but it came back up pretty quickly, but uh, it was just the fact of no communication. So uh, I think right now it is, you know, we, we've adapted to be able to do everything over Zoom. And uh, luckily we're at a stage where we can do that with the business. But as we move forward through a, a future, a near future that is uncertain, it's just continuing to uh, to be able to network and to, to get out there and, and to meet new people and uh, find new new ways to um, to bring business in the door, which uh, is something that you know, actively working on as right. we speak. Well, you'll be using that that marketing degree even more now, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Todd, if if our listeners want to get in touch with you. How, how do they get in touch with you? How do they learn more about you um, and your business? Yeah, our, our business website is signaturewa.com. Uh, our business name is Signature Wealth Advisors. We've got two offices here in Florida. Uh, we do work with clients from coast to coast. All of us are, are licensed in, in numerous uh, states. There's five of us that are financial planners that started the business six years ago. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to be able to... Um, to keep some of my clients I had from my, from my first company. And um, in addition to that, I'm very active in LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn uh, is uh, LinkedIn slash N slash Todd A. Bryant. And they can find me through LinkedIn as well. And I'd love to be able to connect with them through that. Okay, great. I, I really appreciate your time today. Um, our guest today has been Todd Bryant, who's partner with Signature Wealth Advisors. And we appreciate all your time. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Enjoyed it. Todd Bryant is a registered representative of and offers securities and investment advisory services through MML Investors, LLC, member SIPC. 
Signature Wealth Advisors LLC is not a subsidiary or affiliate of MML Investor Services LLC or its affiliated companies. 301 East Pine Street, Suite 800, Orlando, Florida, 32801-407-992-0530. The views and opinions expressed are those of Todd Bryant. Todd Bryant's views are not necessarily those of MML Investor Services, LLC. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.